Good evening, it's at Jim Bobcast. I'm fucked off. And I'm Bob. <laughs> Episode 11, which actually means... Um, which is elf in German, and obviously Merry Christmas to you, James. Merry Christmas. Uh, bar humbug, actually, because yes. I'm in a foul mood. Bar humbug quite apt, being as we lost against Everton at the weekend, who obviously fam- called the Toffees, famous for Everton Mints, that are the uh, brother, if not cousin, of the humbug. <laughs> Again, your knowledge always astounds me. Um, Sweet-based knowledge. Two games this week, Southampton and Everton, since we last produced uh, podcast number 10. Southampton game. Bob, let's run over these two games and then we can get into the remainder. Um, on the periphery, it is just a shit show. So It's very, very dismal, isn't I it? I mean, I said to you um, in episode 10, we have to give respect to Southampton. I know that's tough to, to regurgitate in retrospect of where we've been and where they've been in years previous, but they're not where they are in the league table without putting a side out, getting everything out of their players and playing with some kind of harmony between the 11 guys on the pitch and the manager, which, as we know or have learned, is very important. You know, they Southampton looked like a, a team of 11 players that wanted to play for each other. Yeah. And they looked... There was so much cohesion. They looked like they knew what the other person was doing. You know, everybody had their roles and they executed them with aplomb. <laughs> I'm... There's a couple of Southampton... And even their substitutions that they made, everything they did... Yeah was methodical, done at the right time, but the right moment with the right change and alteration. Very structured. Just looked to have a very, very well-oiled structure. 100%. There were a couple of notable um, players that I don't know too much about that were people that I would snap up. Well, actually, one specifically I'd snap up now. Uh, The defender, Vestergaard, I thought he was a really, really seriously good player. He, did. Um, he looked very solid. Yeah, he did. And they've obviously replaced uh, Van Dyke with him. So that's a big set of shoes to fill, but a big towering presence and really comfortable on the ball. Traveled with the ball, distributed it well. Decisive tackling. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, Ward Prowse is having a some season. He's a decent player. I'll tell you a player I really like for them. I don't know if you've heard of him before. Yeah, young lad called Theo Walcott. <laughs> he had a game, didn't he? He had a great game. You know, I, I talked to you about his celebration, whether I was happy or sad about mm. that. You know, whether I thought he celebrated perhaps too much. Yeah. Had time to let that sink in. Southampton was his boyhood club. We signed him from Southampton. That's where he started off from. So, you know, if he'd have done that plan for Everton, I'd have been severely peeved. Mm. But to go back to your, you know, <laughs> the feet, <laughs> the womb, if your you Your roots, yeah. It went back to the womb. And, uh, you know, that's what happens. You know, so who can, you know... Fair play, great, well-taken goal, great tactical goal as well. They knew exactly how to play it. Well, I mean, he was turning the back line. They, Arteta's tried to get on the front foot a little bit more, hasn't he? He's pulled the back line up, looks, probably looks five or seven yards, and probably the worst game to do it against because Che Adams has a turn of foot, as has Walcott. We, we know about Walcott's pace. We saw it many a time. And then they just got him into a position where he could get on the turn. And once he's away, you you don't normally catch him. And they didn't. And um, that said, the first half, they did brilliantly, Southampton. We were dreadful and dismal. Really poor, actually, that first half. We didn't look like the home side. Um, and Southampton really stamped their authority on us in um, in the first half. And then second half, they came out early again. Seems to be a bit of an Arteta trait at the moment. And on 50 minutes, 54 minutes, I think, something just came about. And it was the young Hale End lad, Saka. Phenomenal move. Great. Just 
passion, just a desire to just keep going and going, beating three guys. But, you know, for such a young lad who's probably not completely grown yet, you know, he still looks like he's strong as an ox in those situations. You know, I, I, I think what happened there with uh, Aubameyang scoring at the right end for a change, <laughs> uh, also goal in open play for a change. And it was a good, to be fair to Aubameyang, it's a very good finish. Good finish, good goal. And we were we were then moving in a direction that was, you know, my eyebrows started to yeah. quiver with something, you know, and and there was something that could resemble a smile on my face. <laughs> I thought we'd go on and win that game at that point. And then there was two bookings for things that perhaps could have been avoided. Very much so. Ill discipline again. Yep. Third sending off in as many weeks or, or in four weeks. Mikel Arteta, eight sending-offs in a year of being manager. Eight sending-off in a year of being manager? That's correct, yes. He's managed the club for 60 games? Maybe not even that many. You know, 34 league games, I think it was, by the end of play Everton. And he's, yeah, eight sending-offs he's had in, in all of his matches, yeah. That's outrageous. Well, yeah, it is. Because they don't potentially... Sorry. We think there's been three in, what, a month? Not potentially. They don't particularly strike you as a side who play with the, uh, with a really hard tackle. They don't play with a heavy foot. Yeah, there's no crunching... But, you know, if we look at the three sending-offs, you know, and, and when Gabriel gets in sent-off like he did... <laughs> When the sending off like that happens, and that's and that's the best sending off, and that's the one you think, well, that's the you know that's the most, you know, you allow that sending off mm. more than the others because the other two are just diabolical. This one was all diabolical. Interesting enough, that sending off and that suspension meant he was at home for his birthday. Right. Okay. I'm a cynical little swine, and I wag my fingers at those things. It's coming up to that time of year where players end up. Rolling their sending offs or suspensions to get a. So look, let's let's just cut to the sending offs before we get onto the Everton game. Just finish off Southampton. So Pepe sent off straight away out to the media. I apologise. I put my hands out. I didn't deserve it, even though he took an absolute ribbing from Arteta. And uh, second to that, a, a disgusting tirade of um, of messages and uh, whatever all sorts of abuse. And yeah, on social media. Slurs. Gabriel, straight away, not acceptable. I can only put my hands up. I will be better. Granite Xhaka, not a fucking whisper. And it took him a fucking eternity to come out when he threw his shirt and saw at the, saw at the fans against Palace. And he hasn't come out and apologised for fucking throttling uh, whomever it was uh, in the game. I forget now. But for, for his, for his uh, sending off. And, and it just fucking angers me. This prick thinks that he is that far above the football club that he can just decide when he can and can't come out. It's a total lack of respect for but well both his teammates, the fans, the management. It's an utter it's disgusting. Uh I said it last week and I'll say it in a slightly more reserved manner. His time has come, he should be moved on in January. Yeah, I don't and, think there's any shape, way or form that he should play again for the club. And one of the things you want to get onto on the pod, we'll talk about the players' respect and whether they're playing in abbreviated commas for Arteta in a moment. Let's just get through the games and then we'll get onto the grander picture because I want to revert back to that point and other players. So, you know, again, Arsenal had to see out 30, 35 minutes. I was unimpressed with Arteta's substitution. Well, that's an interesting point, James, you make. Because obviously he's lost a defender, so he's brought Louise on. That's a fair substitution. You accept that. Why? 
because he, if he wants to replace a defender, that's what you do. You know, he's brought Louise to replace a defender that's been sent off. You know, for whatever way you look at it, it's a substitution that has um, merit towards it. Then when he's taken off a, a incredibly poor performance, Sabias and replaced him with Willock, I thought that was a that was a tactical substitution that showed uh, that showed a desire to win the game. You know, I thought that was a good substitution. And well, then, they're they're like for like players. They are advanced midfielders who play in the eight role. Neither recognises the ten. I don't think you add anything more in Joe Willock than you do in Danny Sabas. Maybe just the players from a, are performing better from a profile perspective. Yes, I'll give you that. But it showed a good move for me. And then there was that, the well, back to your point about you're not happy with his substitution, the third substitution, and that debacle that was bringing on Cedric for Pepe. Pepe. Yeah. Who looked sort of bright, really. I think he gets a bit of a rough time, to be honest. I think a lot of people just keep saying he's not doing enough, but that's because they're associating their price tag with him. You can't be a flowering rose in a, a fucking bush full of dying fawns. Um, they're, they're just even Aubameyang is out of sorts and he has got credit in the bank with the club with his goal scoring in the previous two seasons so you know I think Pepe's actually now after the Everton game our joint top scorer this season so um, yeah I mean look so look we managed to hold on throughout the game again it took all of the uh, prospect out of the match that sending off because Arteta went straight into conservative mode and did not want to drop the point that he had what he had earned by scoring an equaliser. And we saw the game out. Uh, There was nothing really notable. The real thing that was notable for me, and it continued against the Everton game, was Ainsley Maitland-Niles was a clear upgrade on Bellerin. Agreed. I think uh, I saw a stat on Twitter. He had five interceptions in the game. Bellerin has six the entire season. Maitland-Niles has looked considerably better than Bellerin, both in terms of skill and ability. but hugely, He's a serious athlete as well, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Yeah. He's a, I will come back to him with athletic, athletic... I might need to put my new teeth in today. It's Athleticism? Athletic physique nature. Because <laughs> not only has he got legs on him, you know, that he can run, the boy, he's a stocky lad. He's well-built, strong on the ball, fast without it, pacey. Um, I don't, and also, I think he just... very, very composed as a footballer. Oh, he's got ice running through his veins, pal. Yeah, I mean, you've just seen the penalty shootouts where he stepped up. Like, everyone... You see where he looked up after he got the penalty against yeah. Everton. I know we're skipping ahead. He looked up and his look was almost like, hey, you want me to take this? You know, it's like someone so who cool. looks at you in a club who's just fingered your girlfriend, I don't care, sort of thing. On Tom Cordial. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it happened, but don't worry about it, it's cool. He's got ice running through his veins, I tell you that. Uh, but no, and he is an upgrade. I thought he, he looked. <clears throat> and apologies to any of the female listeners out there. Um, you know, I, I am in a crude mood this evening. I'm very, very vexed. So um, I can't, I, I'll apologise in advance of what comes ahead. <laughs> Maitland Niles did play brilliantly well. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I thought he played. He, he didn't play brilliantly well. He was an upgrade on what was there before, in terms of also the, his desire to do well. That's yeah. something that I really liked. And and we are missing a little bit of that la passion, you know, because we've lost the Wilshires and the Ramseys and the club stalwarts, the Walcotts, the people that just know what it is like to be in and around the club for long periods of time. 
And they are trying to rely a little bit on this Hayland element of coming into the first team now, that they just understand what it's been like to... That's been uh, something that's notable. We are kind of about Thursday nights quite considerably. We haven't had a couple for the last few weeks, so it's probably why they're a bit more despondent. But I think it's the fact that they all know about, all have grown up with each other and they understand the club and they love the club and everything like that. That there's that desire when they play. Which when you look at the the ordinary first team that we've been watching in previous weeks, there isn't that desire for the team. No, I and mean, that's shown, and that's shown with the nature of some of these red cards. And it's shown most yeah, absolutely. And it it's it shown very it, fuck me, I'm I've inherited your teeth. It was very evident for me with um the Spurs game. It just wasn't played from an Arsenal perspective in the way in which uh a player representing a club of that level understands the nature of the intensity and importance of that derby. 100%. So we're wrapping up on Southampton. Yeah. A point one or two points dropped? Um, well, we came from behind and I thought um, just where Ooh, they were... Right from... <laughs> Sorry. And... Um, <laughs> And I just thought that, bearing in mind we went a goal down, where they were in the league, form-wise, where we've been form-wise, that's probably a point one. A home game against Southampton is a point one. There we go. So, Everton. Everton. It was almost a year to the day of Teta's first game. He was, obviously, was his first game in charge at Everton? It was nil-nil. It was nil-nil. Uh, I remember I was at a family birthday party. And it was also... Because you, you celebrate a family thing every fucking six yeah, hours. Yeah, young Oliver. It was his first birthday. Then it's his second birthday today. Happy birthday, Oliver. Happy birthday, Oliver. Those that don't uh, listen very regularly will realise that every single episode there is something for Robert to celebrate amongst his family. Someone... I think all of his uh, relatives have a birthday every six weeks or something. So, um, <laughs> they're like dogs. Yeah, Dog yeah, years. Yeah. So, on to the Everton game. Um, it was also notably Ancelotti's first game for Everton. Yeah. Because they were compared about how they'd done for their retrospective clubs, because why Arsenal hadn't gone for Ancelotti is now coming around, obviously, because a year on they were both available, obviously. And I do believe Ancelotti has knocked something like seven or... Well, it's actually ten points from the same amount of games in the same period. Yeah, I mean, Ancelotti ten points is, the league. He's considerably... He's done really well at Everton, but he's had the backing and the investment from the board, hasn't he? Yeah, and one of those investors is the investor that Arsenal decided to fucking kick out because he wanted to spend money. You know, Everton had a blip earlier. They started off brilliantly well, Everton, and we were, you know, we were suggesting they were going to do well. Mm. They had a blip, and obviously we got, oh, here we go again. That was associated with James Rodriguez's fitness, though, I believe. They're now back fourth in the title, the league. 26 points, five points off Liverpool, who are top. Also, just looking at that league table, you've got Man United sitting there third in the league. With a game in hand. They win that game in hand. They are second with clear date, with clear space, two points behind Liverpool. That's unbelievable how a team that when we beat them was ridiculed and their manager was... Burnley have beaten Wolves 2-1. That's not good for our relegation battle, Bob. No, it's very meagre for our relegation battle. But yeah, Man United, I mean, you, you put... Arteta as the manager of Man United now, he's not got a job. So with that win, that now actually puts Burnley a point behind us of a game in hand. That's Burnley, a team that should be, you know, their relegation candidates, aren't they? Well, are we not? Well, we'll come on to that later, because I think you know where I am. So yeah, we're at Everton. It was a year on from Arteta. 
Uh, it was a game I expected us to lose and they didn't let me down. It was quite good not being let down by Arsenal for a change. You know, Saturday itself, and this is the same for everyone out there, but if you're an Arsenal fan, it just keeps getting better and better and better. Saturday was a shit day for us all. Everyone you know? in and around London and the greater home counties. Yeah. Even those in the other part, because they were told that five days become one. Yeah. You know, it was a dreadful, dreadful thing. And then you have Arsenal, you know, from four o'clock till sort of six or whenever it was, seven o'clock. What a crock of shit if you're an Arsenal fan. <laughs> you know, I posted on Twitter, you know, uh, about it saying Arsenal hold my drink. Jack Whitehall actually stole that gag. You remember me? But, you know, I got the timelines on the tweets there. He's <laughs> nicked my gag there about that. But no, Arsenal just were, they played true to form in everything they'd done. They created nothing. You know, there were bright moments, bright moments again from Maitland Niles, the way he got the penalty. Pepe looked brighter, you know, great penalty actually. Friend of mine, Azza, uh, messaged me uh, to say he'd miss it. I said, no, 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 no. Pepe's not missing this. It was brilliant, brilliant. It was well taken. He, he, I mean, a lot of people, it was quite weird, the commentary team leading up to that um, penalty being, you're good. If you just skirted, oh no, you're at Everton, sorry. Yeah, a lot of people were um, were saying that, and I was thinking he was a spot spot um, spot kick taker for Lil when he yeah, was, he's a proper penalty taker. Yeah, he's not uh, he's not unrecognised at um, taking, and I think he's taken penalties for Arsenal and scored. Hundred percent. He was he's he's pretty sure actually he scored against Burnley last year from the spot. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was quite confident with um, Pepe over it. That that game actually didn't offer a great deal either that what i want to just we'll skip back to maitland niles when you've asked me about selection i've said cedric it's because i'm actually starting to see maitland niles now as the center midfielder which is the position he actually wants to play because of his composure calmness on the ball and he is a true athlete getting up and down will be no issue and also getting away from someone will be no issue to him so that, that was why if we were to play a five or a four i could see him in a two or a three especially when party's injured but Imagine him playing alongside party. But you know, if you're the at, engine you've got there. So you look at you look at the team selection. So Pepe and Ketia and Willian. Bizarre. If you're Alex Lacazette, you've just had a couple of good runs in the Europa League. You've scored a fine goal. Well, you've capped in the side. You've capped in the side. You've probably been the I think the best on-field player in the Premier League the last two games, give or take. Then you're dropped for your understudy. You you just got to be sitting there thinking, what the fuck is going on here? I mean, Not only are you dropped for your understudy, you're dropped for your understudy where your senior in a Bamiang is also not playing. Exactly. So you've almost been demoted from second to third. And arguably, when Arsenal were playing their best football in recent years, he has been playing as the senior nine, and a Bamiang's been playing in the left forward position. Season before last player of the season. Uh, yeah, so I, I find I find that pretty odd, to be fair. And um, and you made a really really valiant point to me earlier about we can blame the board for fucking absolutely everything because at the end of the day they are the name above the club, which means that they take everything that comes at it, guns and all. But the manager is absolutely responsible for the twenty men now in the squad and the eleven that start the game on the pitch and the positions they play them in. 
And and he has continually got that wrong, in my opinion. As I said, my point was you cannot blame the board for team selection and tactics and how the players perform. I then went on to say, if a player is performing consistently badly and is low on confidence, you cannot blame him for being selected. So there's players that are clearly not playing well, clearly not got a smile anywhere near their face, and they keep getting picked. And for that, I look at Willian. I look at Willian, and he's a player that doesn't... They must have put an, uh, an element in his contract that guaranteed him a certain amount of first-team football in Premier League games because there's a bonus associated with it or something. Because his form does not suggest that he should start the amount of games he is starting. No, it doesn't. There are players that have got better form that should be starting above him. Look, Danny Ceballos continues to start games of football. I don't know what he's done to warrant it. Again, could be in his loan contract from Real Madrid, has to play a certain amount of games because they want him to play. That's bullshit. That can't be the case. Why not? If They're the parent club. They can set terms. No, I I, I just... And And then fucking Rob Holding as captain. I mean... What captaincy? They tried to sell him to Newcastle in the summer. The deal fell through. Well, he was literally on the fucking way up the fucking A1M and onto the, onto the north. Is that the way you go, A1M? I just like that route. It's a really good road. It's a nice road. I've, I've paid good service there. stations, clear roads, no speed cameras. Uh, I'll tell you what there is a lot of on that A1M, and I'm going to say it. There's a hell of a lot of sex shops. Yes, there is. There's a lot of sex shots on the A1M. I've not, I've not stopped in any of them. Mm, debatable. No, I haven't. I haven't. Debatable. No, I haven't. I, can, I, can, I promise you I've not. But there's loads. Yeah, there are, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny you say that, because now you said it out loud, I can completely vouch for it. And they've all got dreadful names as well, like Angel Fantasy and stuff uh, like that. You know when you go into a shop, any shop, and they, uh, you get a set, well, we can't go into any shop at all at the moment, but you get a salesman going, are you all right there? And you go, yes, yes, I'm just browsing. I was once in a sex shop, and <laughs> the, the sales assistant came, uh, we didn't come, uh, went, uh, all right, mate, uh, can I help you at all? And I went, no, no, I'm just browsing. <laughs> just while I'm looking at uh, whatever I was looking at. But no, that was that's a blast from past. That was 20 years ago, that was. What did you buy? I'm not going to say. <laughs> you can't leave the listeners and me hanging. Well, well, listen next week and I'll tell you. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> right, so I, I took issue with Rob Holding as captain. I that's thought, a dreadful decision, by the way. I thought Louise was the standout captain there, surely. Or, or, or people have been crying for Tierney to lead the side. Look, there are so many better candidates for captaincy above Rob Holding that were playing in that team. You know, Louise, obviously, Bert Leno. Yeah, you know, and then then, then Tierney, and then Tierney t- for sure. Then to be fair, I actually don't know who else you you. When you say so many, I think that the, the, the buck stops there. I mean, when you have got three above you, that's quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I was perplexed with Martinelli getting rushed back into the first team. He's played forty five minutes for the academy. I actually thought the interview was quite interesting today because the interviewer went for Arteta on and this was Arsenal.com interview as well so it should be kind of you know watered down but he said you know do you not think you're rushing Gabrielle back sort of thing and he said you know there is a whole host of he is the the interviewer I thought was super bizarre because he asked a lot of questions that I've been asking you just in our toings and throwings and he did mention the point where he said you know there's there's a hell of a lot of pressure gone on to Martinelli and he's like yeah yeah yeah, there's pressure on all players yeah, so we rush back, Party gets injured after 43 minutes and doesn't now play for the rest of the year. 
Tell you what a good idea is, James. Let's do the same with Martinelli. Let's do the same. You know, it's not like he's had a bad injury. It's not like it was a serious injury and he had the operation or anything, you know. Oh, no, wait, it was. He did have a serious injury of an op operation. And for a player that's that young, you know, you need to ease that person back in because they are maybe not mentally as quick as a more experienced player. And they could end up leaving the... a leg in and getting it clattered. Exactly. On the flip side, they are raw and just go full throttle, 100 mile an hour. Martinelli is that kind of player. He does remind me a bit of Alexis Sanchez, you know, plays full on, shirt on sleeve, must be a South American thing. And, and yeah, I was I was worried, to be honest. You know, the, Arteta in this same fucking interview said about Everton had a 7% chance of winning last year. That, you know, these, these fucking mythical me. fucking stats that have come out today that have just made him a bit of a laughing stock. And um, in my opinion, they've, they have completely convinced me that he is the wrong person for the but job today. One week he's turning around about possession being domination... You know, when we played against Spurs and Burnley, our oh, possession, 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 we dominated the game. Now he's saying he doesn't care about possession and about the importance of it. You know, he's handpicking his stats look, th let me to just, suit his argument. Let I'll me pick just, a stat. Let, I'll look, pick a stat. Now, can I just quote him first, please, about this point? Mikel Arteta. Last year, we won against Everton with a 25% chance of winning. We won 3-2. This weekend, it was a 67% chance of winning. Any Premier League game in history and a 9% chance of losing, and you lose. It was a 3% against Burnley, we lost. It was 7% against Spurs, and we lost. Where in fuck's name has he pulled these 93% in our favour stats from? I think he's a bit of a Boris with next slide, please, and just picking stats to suit him. I just cannot comprehend where he's pulled this shit from. Until the 94th minute, which is arguably a cross, which Pickford saved, which I'm not even sure if it is fully going on target... But because the goalkeeper's made a save, it is perceived as a goal, as a shot on target. We had not had a shot on target for for nearly 50 minutes of the second half. It's fucking diabolical. It's ludicrous. You know, you have to go out there now and you have to score more than the team you're playing against. That's the only stats you need to do. That's the only level of domination. It's the you only way you win a game, right? Well, that's a fact. You know... He's just fucking about with these stats about crossing, the maths and things like that. I will give you a fucking stat now, Mikel Arteta. 14 games, 14 points, 15th place. That's a stat, you fuck. <laughs> Minus six goal difference. Minus six goal difference. No longer do you have the like amongst the best defences in the league, which was one of the things that you were getting huge amounts of plaudits for flipping around. We've conceded 18 goals after 14 games. That's something like 1.25 a game, right? So that's, that's that means you're going to average between 48 and 50 goals conceded a season. Wenger did that consistently. My argument why we keep coming back to Wenger is the fans fucking echoed London get this prick out of the club he can't take us on to the next level fucking people paying for planes to fly over stadiums get Wenger out of the club because no one accepted anymore that finishing in the top four or six was anywhere near the level that this football club was allowed to be at it was completely unacceptable well Arsene Wenger actually yeah took this club to heights that no one could fucking fathom because the two and a half years that have followed, people are starting to really see, actually, what inexperience does for you. But it's Bob, a crock of shit. 
And I asked you for some stats and enlighten these fuckers what is going on. Sorry, you're all our best friends, not fuckers. Christmas. Christmas time is the time for giving. So let's give this stat. Arsenal at Christmas. So here we are. It is the game before Christmas. We've played 14 games. We've got 14 points. We're in 15th position. Last year at Christmas, obviously with the season starting in regular time, we played 18 games. We had 23 points. And a goal difference of minus three. I believe when Emery left the club, he'd played 13 games, had 18 points and a goal difference of zero at that po- at that time because we, we uh, talked about that earlier on. So the assistant or who took control of the club only took five points from the next five well, Freddie games. Freddie won a game against West Ham. So three points of that was Freddie Jumberg against West Ham. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go back to, into 2018, we were fifth in the league. Fifth in the league. So in the last two years, we've gone, last, well, if you will, two and a half years, we've gone from 5th to 15th. We've dropped 10 places. Yeah, but look at the points difference, Robert. 37 points from 18 games. So that's an average of over two points a game. (laughs) Just over, yeah. 16 goals, plus 16 on the goal difference. 22 goal swing. Massive. Huge. But obviously, if you look, if you just go on the averages, we've taken 14 points from 14 games. Our next games are Chelsea, we would lose. Brighton, I would hope we would win. Um, that's 17. Our two league games after that are. We've got West Brom in there, haven't we? Look, if you just allow for 1.25 average, it would be 20 points. So it'd be three points down on last season. The goal difference would still be weaker. So this is massive. So after Chelsea. On Boxing Day, where, you know... We've got Brighton on the 2nd. No, 29th, 29th. Yeah. West Brom on the 2nd. And then our next league game after that is the 14th of January, where we play Palace. Right. And then Newcastle. And then Southampton again. And then we go to 30th of January. It's Man United and Wolves and Aston Villa and Leeds. You know, all these matches where the fucking wheels fell off. We've got Benfica in that point. It's going to be... We've got to start amassing points then against the teams you've mentioned. We have, if we continue to drop points against them, we are in real fucking trouble. We have to beat Chelsea. I don't think we do because we won't. But if we beat Brighton and West Brom, it probably helps. You're using the word if. You know, because it is an if, Bob, because we've dropped points against against Burnley, Aston Villa, Leeds, Southampton um, in, in recent weeks. Wolves. Yeah, they're they're quite a good side now. But then fucking um, uh, Burnley have beaten them this evening. Exactly. So look, you go back through this thing. Okay, 18 games, 37 points. Then Wenger, 19 games, 34 points. Wenger, 18 games, 37. 17, 36. 17, 30. 17, 17 36. 36 in 2015 uh, actually had a second in the league as well. Yeah, okay. And I think that's that's something... But look at the league position where Emery was there. Fifth, sixth, fourth, second, sixth, second, fourth, fifth, second, third, fifth, first, fourth, seventh in 2005, bizarre. Second, second, right? So in that time... 2005 was that bad season, you know? That was Lasagna, the season of the lasagna, our last season. At, yeah, uh, where we... Uh, we qualified for the um, Champions League of the last day of the season. That's correct. Yeah. Thank so, you, West Ham. But... Wenger normally capitulated in the second half of the season because up to Christmas he was probably sitting fairly well by by, by reading the above. Wenger often capitulated after a January transfer window. Goes back to point number one on our list. The failure to back your managers. You cannot blame the coach, the head coach, the manager, the executive management team if your owner 
and your board is not going to back you in the recruitment. A lot of those times in January, how many times have we had to, you know, cash in on a player that's going to be leaving because their contract's up? You know, we have to sell them because otherwise they're going to leave on a free. Lots. Mm. You know, you can't blame the manager for that, whether it be Arteta or Wenger. No, 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 you can't. And I can only assume at the moment they're keeping him in a job because they've made a commitment to him with his recruitment plan. Or, on the flip side, they've not. And he's the only dumb twit that's prepared to stay in a job for as long as he can possibly stand. Yeah, but I, I said it to you earlier on, I can't make his shit out. So at one end of the spectrum, you've got... I, I think if the board... if Cronkies turn up tomorrow and say, don't worry guys, here's 200 million for January. If they turn around and do that, I'm not so sure that Messrs Vinay, Edu and Mikel have it in them to spend that 200 million in the right way. We'll have more Brazilians than the beach in Rio de Janeiro. Or a bag know? of nuts, yeah. I, I just don't think they're the right people. But then adversely, you don't give that 200 million pound they ain't the right executive team to nurse us to a... You know, they could get us relegated this season, this team. You know, they could get us relegated with the £200 million as well. This is full fucking capitulation, Bobby. It's completely unacceptable. Look, rounding off the Everton game, there was no substance to the second half. If you don't have shots on target... Let's talk fucking stats now, Mikel, you clown. If you don't have shots on target, you can't score goals. So... And Everton wrapped the game up. We didn't have a player sent off, so you can't use that as an excuse. You're now using this fucking percentile nonsense to say we had this percentage chance of winning and we lost. It doesn't matter. You need, you do need possession of the football in order to create a chance. You need to create a chance which yields a, goal, a shot on target. Shots on target yield goals. They are the only stats you should be working to. Uh, a very um, well-respected member of Twitter early earlier replied to this ESPN snippet of Mikel Arteta's piece and he said handpicking statistics is completely child's play basically because if you were so you know entwined into the statistics then it would have been absolutely impossible for you because you Vinay Venkateshian said you decided to not register Meza Ozil who statistically is the best creator in the football club by a golf as the well. The film Moneyball was about well, we know what the film Moneyball's about, but it was about this baseball team that the general manager got a statistician in, and instead of buying... Bobby play- Bean. Bill Bean. Billy Bean? Billy, Billy Bean, sorry. Yeah. Instead of going out and buying players... Fantastic that- film, by the way. Yeah, great film. I love it. Instead of out buying the players that you want to buy, they looked at statistics and they built a team around it. The Oakland successful. Athletics. That's right. So what Arteta's doing, you cannot use statistics and don't do... If you're going to play the statistic game, do the Moneyball version of it. And that would mean picking players that do a job, not going where well, the statistic that could work is lobbying crosses in. You know, if Billy Bean went down the statistic, oh, the more we swing our bat, the more chance you've got of hitting a home run, <laughs> it wouldn't have had a good film, would it? What he did do was the more we can get to first base, the more chance we've got of getting to here, here and here. And that's the thing. The more passes you can make into an attacking third from a creative player give you more shots, more shots you have give you the opportunity for more shots on target. The more shots on target you have give you the opportunity for more goals. The more shots on target you have, the more goals you score mean, and this is this is a reverse part of the stat, the more goals you score, the less goals your opponent can score. The more shots on target you have, the less shots on target your opponent can have. Because if you're doing it, 
They can't. Yeah, a lot of people, you often say the best form of defence is attack. Yeah, but we, Carragher said it, all these pundits have come out this weekend, they've come out and they've all got massive fucking cheesy scouse smiles on their boat races and they're going, well, everyone knows how to play against Arsenal, just give them the ball. (laughs) And that's ridiculous because... The Wenger teams, even the Emery teams for that much, if you gave them the ball, they would destroy you. They would rip you apart piece by piece. If you gave a Wenger side all the ball they want, they'd rip you 5-0. And that's whether you're bloody Pep Guardiola or Man City or Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. You give Arsenal 65% in the game with Wenger or or even Emery. I'm going to say Emery because I don't think you can... You know, he'll rip you to shreds. The way they played, the attacking nous and vigour that they played with, they would have ripped to shreds. You give Arteta 75% of the ball and all you're doing is, uh, if you're the opposition, is you're just saving your boots. I said it to you earlier on. Whenever we play anybody at the moment, home or away, they turn up, the opposing team, with the ball like it's their own ball and they're in charge of the game. And when they say the game's finished, the game's finished. We just get bullied and bossed. We don't even get bullied like what Stoke used to do to us. We just get bullied... It's like the big, tall stepbrother putting his hand on the little boy and they're swinging punches at him, but they can't reach because <laughs> his arm's too long. That's what Arsenal are at the moment. I said it the other week. We're, we're throwing loads of punches, but we're not landing fuck all. It's a disaster. But we Disaster, did, darling. And we did some stats analysis um, a few pods ago and we looked at the demise of the shots per game and the shots on target and where it had come down from an average. And, and I think Emery brought the average down slightly, but it was manageable. I don't even want to look at it now, James. And then and then and we identified then Arteta's shots per game were sort of something like 10 per game when Wenger was around about 15 and a half, 16. It was, nine, it was after eight games and it was nine per game. Yeah, and the and the shots on target was sort of two, two and a half, something like that. And these stats are—they've uh, not improved. They have not got better. People are now recognizing we haven't had a single shot on target in a half. It's becoming more and more frequent. But when we've got such possession of the football, I don't understand what they're doing with it, Bob. I, I don't. How can you have sixty-five percent of the football or sixty percent of the football right? Which I think we did in the second half against Everton. 60% of 45 minutes is 25 to 27 minutes, just off the top of my head, right? You're in possession of the football for that period of time and you cannot amass a solitary shot on target. I mean, what is this fucking bloke coaching? Another thing that they did in the Arsenal.com uh, interview was they said, are your coaching staff behind you? Who's the number one you go to? He didn't name names. They all look completely fucking bemused to me. Like, they're just not talking the same language. It looks so un... There is no correlation as to what they're trying to do. He's brought this set-piece expert in from Brentford. What the fuck is this guy doing? Well, he was not doing much, because obviously that goal that Everton scored was just an absolute joke. You know, it was such a telegraphed goal. Yeri Mina being marked by Nicolas Pepe. And and they What was Willian doing then? Willian was off, off having a fag on the halfway line. <laughs> well, for the first goal, I thought if he even just went into a light canter, he could have cut the cross off that led to Calvert Lewin's goal. He is not Arteta's massive thing, Bob, yeah, about again, why he drops Urzel is about work rate. And you have to give blood for the team. And Willian just nonchalantly moves across to um, over and can't 
can't cut the crossover, which I think might have come in from fucking Alex Awobi of all people. It was Awobi that's done that. Oh. Awobi and Walcott have come back to haunt us. I just, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, you know. We're, we're, we've done this piece now, Bob, a couple of times. What, what, honestly, whatever next? I don't, I cannot see a future with Mikel Arteta at the helm of this football club. I don't understand tactically what he's trying to do. He isn't changing. The statistics in the game that I notably look at, which is shots on goal, shots on target, they are not improving. The players are not improving. I don't think the players are playing for him. This point around Jacker, not apologising. Fucking disrespectful and absolutely unacceptable. Abamyang, where's this surprise injury? come from our captain now off for the whole of Christmas what the, was he doing the other day the prick today is on his Instagram story he has reposted this story as if he is just advertising the fact he's not respecting a fucking tier 4 lockdown he's not wearing a mask in the middle of a fucking jewellery store in Hatton Garden but the prick can't even play football if that doesn't tell you that someone doesn't want to play for this football club and you've donned him with the biggest contract um, extension that he probably held us to ransom over in the summer and also has scored fuck all goals since said contract extension and isn't behaving like a captain... His captaincy, the leadership within that side... James, it's, it's, it's disgraceful. I It really upsets me. They've lost complete control. Honestly, there is no control. I do not see a vision forward. And the board of... Boris Ste- Johnson has got control of coronavirus more than what we have. <sighs> Damn fucking right. And the board have stepped forward, I understand, but it's not been direct from the board, but a message from the exec board, of which I believe Venkateshian sits on, has said... Arteta is doing good. We are happy with where the club are at. That is the only correspondence we have had this season. Can you fucking fathom that that has come from the exec board of this football club who lie in 15th position in this league? The the words good and happy, uh, I cannot associate with anything about Arsenal season. There is nothing fucking happy about it. There is nothing fucking good. I'm swearing so much. I apologise for my foul mouth. There is nothing good about this. There is nothing that makes me happy about this. No, it's it's dreadful. Honestly, I I don't... I've seen us linked with one target. We've been relinked with Awar. I understand the French League have been battered by um, sponsors and um, financing due to COVID-19, which is sad because it's still a league of football that dons fantastic professionals, teams, and and lots of people have a job from that. So I hope it survives. But a lot of the teams are going to have to cash in, apparently, if you believe what you read, due to needing to raise monies to stay alive. So we've been we've been linked with Hussamoa, who would come straight into that midfield with a party, and then you've still got a third person, should they want to play a 4 3 3 to assemble a three that's you know I think at this current stage in thing, the third person could easily be in it and ain't making the Niles or a, a Willock at the moment. I would like to see them involved in it. I think they've earned their right to be involved in that as well. Yeah, I don't Unless disagree. you're unless Arsenal are well, going to go out and drop top beans. But you know, they've said that there's a lot of musings around Torreira being... Um, Atletico Madrid just not worked out. They wanted to come back to I'd Arsenal. I'd have him back and I'd fuck off Ceballos. I would fuck off Xhaka. Uh, El Nene, I would put back to work in, in whatever Egyptian restaurant he was working at before he played for Arsenal. I, I would seriously just get rid of them all. I would get rid of them all. I, I'm furious with the... The level of 
disrespect that many of these players are showing towards what is a great football club. A football club with what I would call a regal history, you know? Her Majesty the Queen is an Arsenal fan. Dame Barbara Windsor, the late great Dame Barbara Windsor, an Arsenal fan. I didn't fan. catch that. And your watch is a great Arsenal fan. It keeps on speaking. <laughs> it's commented twice this evening. I, I agree. The history and the legacy are not without mention with a, a club that boasts a, a fantastic 125 plus years. But the players aren't playing for him. I completely agree. I'd have Xhaka out. I'd have Ceballos out. I would have El Elneny out. There would be many players that I would move on in this football team. I, I, I would now move the manager on. He's just not setting the football club up in a way that a lot of these players have played under Wenger and it will be a style of football that they will be completely foreign to them. They also might as well play rugby. And, or cricket. And they're not, and it's not, we're not improving. I don't care about this percentile thing. You are getting these players who are better than the position in the league they are in to not perform to even a mediocre level as per their quality. That is a mismanagement. That's it. It's just like go back to the chalkboard and just say strategy wrong, cross it off, reboot. The thing you can, and the thing is, I will stand here. And I will blame the board for the recruitment policy over the last decade or so, the way that we've re-signed and renegotiated our own contracts of players, the way they've done all that. I will go at the board hammering tongs, the cronkies and all of that. The way they've taken money and not given money has been an absolute joke. However, the one thing I cannot sit here or stand, as I just said, and say is that I don't feel that with the players he's got, Arteta is playing or picking the right formations and tactics and players. I'm sorry, you cannot continuously play players that are so out of form because they ain't going to get back into form because they're being demoralised. What you need to do is get the team winning and then reintegrate them because the winning team will breed confidence. Confidence breeds confidence. Lack of confidence breeds more lack of confidence. We talked about Tierney looking lesser of a player in recent weeks. He's actually come back the last couple of We've games. We've talked about Gabriel's performances having yeah, a way in dip. Yeah. And what that is because everyone in that team standing next to these players is playing lesser than what they could do. They're unhappy. They look unhappy. They don't look like they have it in them to turn it around. There are some players that I think will. Leno's been blamed for some of the goals at the weekend. I don't think he could be blamed for any of that, you know. Great save off the goal. It was an amazing save where he tipped that round. Yes, the corner led to a goal. That ain't his fault. He has to save that. Mm. You know, and he saved it brilliantly. Well, he can't, you know, saving the ball when it goes out. He for made a some big saves against Leeds in the nil-nil as well. Oh, unbelievable. The bloke's in great. He's a good keeper. He is a good keeper, yeah. You know, you know my views on moving on Mar Martinez and how I think that's an error, but Leno is showing that he is a quality enough goalkeeper. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He, I don't. There's no dispute over his position being um, fine. He he could play for a Champions League club and 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 some uh, and be um, more than competent. So, uh, look, Bob, finishing off the point right about. Who do you, where do you go in the window? You know, Awar, they've been linked to Awar. The other player they've been linked to is bringing Isco in on a loan. Um, another Real Madrid loan. And I just think, 
you know, the, the, the linkings used to be spending huge money on Benzema, Higuain, Higuain. These, these fucking great players who were, you Villa. know... Yeah, dons of the game at the time. Beer, not so much. But Higuain and Benzema, you know, they were, we were being linked to massive names. We're now talking about bringing Isco in on loan to save our season, a loan signing. It's not even a proper investment. It's not even a Kim Kalstrom. And I just, well, it is a Kim Kalstrom, but, but you know, Isco is a proper footballer. But, you know, earlier on in the summer, it was Coutinho on... Um, on loan now it's Isco on loan. No, it doesn't need to be a loan. You fucking imbeciles! It needs to be a hard, strong investment. This squad needs two hundred plus million quid per window for free windows to even fathom a sporting chance of finishing in the top four. I don't understand why no one is fucking getting it. You know, Wenger wasn't given it and eventually just couldn't hold on any longer to the coattails of the teams above him because they kept spending and getting better. And then teams underneath him kept spending and got closer to him. And then he fought them off for a little while. And then he kept losing players because we couldn't renew their contracts. And then we just dropped. You know, it's, you don't have to be blind or Wenger in or Wenger out just to see the fucking plain obvious. You know, and then Emery came in. He was given a budget, 125 million quid. And it showed because after 30 games, it was the best appointment we could have ever dreamed of. But it didn't show then because in the January it didn't happen. Then the following summer, I don't think it happened. And then all of a sudden he's dwindled away. And he he obviously let Ramsey go. So again, you know, you've backed him with 125 million, touche. But then you've not allowed... Or for some reason... You've replaced Aaron Ramsey, with the utmost respect to Matteo Guendouzi, with a kid from League Two. That's what you've done. Because Ramsey's been left to go to Juventus on a free, and he has been replaced by Matteo Guendouzi, who came from League Two in France. That is what you've done, because they were a like-for-like swap. In the words of the great Martin Tyler. Fucking stop this, Martin Tyler. That sums it all up. You've said this about 110 times. But... It don't get old. No, it doesn't. Because every week we've got something to sum up. Every week there is A plus B or 1 plus 2 equals 3. And it don't, you know, to, to coin a phrase of Mikel Arteta, the maths is there. Yeah. The maths says that we are not doing this. I don't know where it goes. I don't know what... We've got, we've got Our next game is Chelsea on, on Boxing Day. I remember really, really, really vividly going to watch Arsenal in between Christmas and New Year when we hadn't beaten a big four side for ages. And it was Walcott and Fabregas who put I Chelsea over game. their knee that year. I didn't. Uh, my then girlfriend at the time, I didn't make it on the train back to um, to Manchester, which I got fucking slammed for. But myself and my good friend Russell went out in Milton Keynes to Revolutions and had about four hundred and ten shots. It was a fantastic day out. Um, I was I was out with a friend of mine, Azza. Uh, yes. Good evening, Azza. We'd been to, I think we'd been to a darts competition earlier in the day. Oh, he's a fine uh, darts fan. Yes, his lady uh, commentating for Sky at the World Championships currently, Fantastic. Laura. Uh, yeah, hello to both of you. Uh, no, we were in, uh, we were out and we watched that game. 
in and amongst a lot of Chelsea fans. And I've, I've been, uh, how can I explain it? Uh, well-oiled, if you will, quite yeah. sourced. And I let them know with full gusto my thoughts about how well we But it was, it was the game. Walcott and Fabregas in the interview afterwards were joking about referring their playing style to FIFA. Do you know what I mean? At the time. It was, because it was that good of a display. And... You know, we've now got Chelsea in the same period, number of years on. I am quaking in my boots that we will, for the first time in my life at Christmas, have a less points than games played. Well, we will. No two ways about it. No Aubameyang. We already know he's out. I actually, I'm, I think he's 50-50 to make the uh, Brighton game on the 29th, but... I think he's told the club. I said, I, I, I said to you, I think it's going to be quiet, but I think he is going to declare that his future is away from Arsenal. Just can't see a way it's working, and I think this is just uh, a way of um, you know him not playing between now and then because maybe they're trying to preserve him to draw a big fee. James, I, I in can't, case he gets injured, I think you're right. Well. It's unexcusable. I don't know where he's got injured. He's not come off the pitch looking hurt or un- unless someone smashed him in training, which is just fucking juvenile if that's happened. Wouldn't it surprise me the way they're doing everything this year, though, Arsenal? Wouldn't it surprise me? So Arsenal are desperate for the year to end. Absolutely desperate, Bob. But look, I don't know what's happened. We Like I was just trying to allude to, we've not been linked to anyone that I think, yeah, that's a sensible transfer we can get them for a sensible fee. There's an investment. There's been nothing come out. All Arteta has said is, Edu knows our plans. He's working extremely hard to execute them. I mean, Edu's come out in his interview saying, we know this team desperately needs a creative midfielder. We've got one. Yep. We'll, we'll just leave that there. We've got one. We'll move on. We're not going to go back on that. Yep. Uh, I'm gutted we never signed the boy Jibalushlai, uh, mainly because I enjoy pronouncing his name. And you do it with a plum. Oh, I love it. Jubalushlai. But he's going off... Yeah, it's just... And that was a shoo-in of a purchase. That wasn't even one where you have to go out and particularly negotiate hard. You go around and drop off your fiver because it's cheap in today's market, you know? It's the same thing we spoke about, Party Bob. You register it with the league... And then you're allowed... Going to Little Sausage Stand. And you're allowed well, it's to... Austria, yeah. You're going to Little... You have your bit of glue vine <laughs> and you have your little... Your verse and you're sitting there and you put the brown bag down, you leave and in they come in their lederhosen and they go, oh, it's so very good, yeah. And they purchase their... <laughs> and they do the play. That's how it all works. Lovely. Sounds uh, adorable. So, yeah, a creative midfielder needs to come in. Uh, another centre-back needs to come in, you know, what is happening, though, in six months is that... Look, I think the club of... Something bizarre has gone on with William Saliba. I mean, really, really, really odd. But beyond Saliba, they're talking about loaning him out in January, you know... I think that's a ridiculous idea. I'd much rather him loaned out than think, just sitting there... I think Chambers, Chambers, Chambers has got a year and a half on his contract. Correct. Um, Socrates is out of contract. Mustafi will be out of contract. Louise will be out of contract. Yeah, so you've got you've got three players hundred percent out of contract. No renewals have been done. I would actually renew David Louise again for a year. I don't think they will. No, nor do I. And I'm. I think. Um, I think he's one of the players that may have voiced his opinion. Yeah, and it's come out a couple of times now. People are leaking into the media that he and Arteta are not even talking. Not even talking. That's that's despicable. Yeah. You know, but I think the last time we had something like that with Arsenal was uh, Alex Song. Was it? 
I don't know. I think Alex Song just was a bit of a tantrum. I don't know he was a bit of a twat, but I, th- I remember remember Ian Wright and Bruce Riok. <laughs> well, that's way ago. That was that was like a proper like we don't like each other because Bruce Riok tried to flog him. Yeah, he did. Eight million quid, wasn't it? Yeah, it didn't go down well. No, and <laughs> it well, it did. But poor old Bruce lost his job. I think it was. Um, I think he tried to sell him to Spurs. No, he was linked to Spurs. I remember being at a friend of mine's house. And it was on Teletext. That's how fucking long ago it was. It was on Teletext on the football banner and I was beside myself. I was in primary school. That's how long ago it was. I love Ian Wright. Top man is Ian Wright. Yeah, very, very, very good guy indeed. Actually had an evening with Ian Wright a couple of Christmases ago on the red wine at a... Uh... That's you, you pig dog, you. But it was completely out of the blue. He was with his now wife and uh, they were with friends. And it was like a comedy evening in South East London and... Our table, just so it was like a wagamama was set up. So we were a table. Well, of did six. you get the food all at different times? No, no, no. But you mean <laughs> just like the long tables? You were. I know what you mean, clown. And yeah, and then his four sat next to us. I was like a meter away from socially distancing from Ian Wright for about three hours. But I think after about a bottle and a half of red wine, I just said, Look, "I can't sit next you to put you." Put your schlong out and everything. I can't sit next to you all evening and licking not, his face. <laughs> yeah, just not just tell you how much you're a fan I am, and he was. Uh, oh, he was brilliant. He, his wife just said, you know, he kind of almost asked his wife's permission just to go full Arsenal mode. And we just had a, oh, it's great. It was so great. It was like, it was. I didn't need anything else for Christmas. And um, look, I, I desperately want to, I am, I'm an, I was born into Arsenal. It was like born into me. My, my grandfather was my idol as a child. I mean, he loved two things that I loved, football and cricket. They were the two things as an infant that I just adored. And I followed him from being a North Londoner, being an Arsenal supporter, and I followed him with a passion for cricket, a left-handed bat like me. And, you know, it is. I, I just have so many fond memories of growing up around it. Like, I, it is just so sad. And I, But so many of the things that are now ongoing, Bob, are so unexplainable that they just drive me utterly mad because I don't understand a business with the shareholders that just don't want to invest when there is, there is so much money available to them. You know, their net worth is so far beyond... What, you know, a thousand million, I think they're worth 10,000 million, something like that. You know, if you, because 10 billion, I think it's something like 10,000. a lot of shekels. 10,000 million. And we require 200 of it. It's not, it, it doesn't even touch the fucking size. There, there is a case that by the time they've written the cheque for 200 million, they may have earned it in interest. Well, it wouldn't be miles away. It is two percent, I think, of their. It's we we require around about two and a half, three percent of their net worth. Which you are right. If it's all cash asset and banks, you know, you are yielding on a. Um, so, <laughs> it used to be the case, though, James, that even when times were hard in the real world, Arsenal would still make you smile. You know, not all the time. You get me wrong. Arsenal have had some pretty ter- turmolic times since the, the Invincibles, the Champions League final. But they always made you smile. The there brand was always some tottering on stage once yeah, a year. There but was there was a joyous but, thing. But there was a brand of football that you could get into enough times a year to think, oh, this is, you know, there are still those goals. And we've had our moments throughout 
this month where we've used Jim Bob Cal- hashtag Jim Bob Calendar where we've remembered some of those fine goals. But I think only Aubameyang's goal against Leicester, which was an Emery goal, is a goal from the last two years that we've used in 18 goals, you know? So that just says it all to me. It has been a really, really, really big, swift decline. And I don't, you know, and I just do not understand where where we go from here. I'm really interested actually to see what the club do in January. I think... But I, I think we're making a trick. You know, if you look at what West Brom done, they... I mean, that, that, that is actually a really good point. At the point in time where we face West Brom, they will have made the big decision to say, this manager will not keep us up in this league. We have replaced him with a su- survival expert in Sam Allardyce. They've brought Ray Mears in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? You know, they've, they've, they they used to have Claude Bosey, the Michelin-starred chef, but obviously the kitchen that they're working in and the ingredients they're working in needs a different style of chef. So they've got the boy Mears in, and he's going to knock up some rather nice cuisine for them, or cuisine to keep them alive. But West Brom going for Allardyce in the position we're in doesn't do us any favours. That's a threat to us. Yeah. And that ever saying that out loud, honestly, I, I fucking could cry. Yeah. So look... On to Chelsea. Um, let's just do a few formalities. Team? Well, I think we'll obviously, you know, I'm just always, I'm always going to not include the goalkeeper anymore because that's obvious. I think he'll play three at the back against Chelsea. No, you're the manager now. Fuck Arteta. What, what team are you going to pick? I'll play three at the back. The boy Gabriel's back. Already? It was a two, it was a... One game ban. One game ban for two yellows. Yeah. So Gabriel would be back. Brilliant. I would have Gabriel. I would have Luis, and I would have. I'd probably have Holding. Yeah, I'd drop Holding. I would play. I would play Tierney, Gabriel, Luis. Okay, I'm, I'm accepted. But you're going with three at the back, also. I am. Yeah. Cool. I know some people call it five at the back. I'm calling it three at the back. Yeah, three, four, three. Uh, obviously, I'm going to go Tierney on the left, mm-hmm. Maitland Niles on the right. Yeah, I'm Saka, Ma- Maitland Niles. Saka, Maitland Niles. Yeah, that's fine by me. In the middle of the park, you've got a two to choose from. Puff, oh, rice keg. I don't know the. F- Actually, I'm going Cedric right. Maitland Niles left. No, Maitland Niles will be one of my two. Cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, I might agree with you on that. In the middle of the park, I want Willock to play. Yeah, Maitland Niles and Willock are my two. Alongside Willock, you know, at this moment in time, I think you've got to probably put El Nini there because you've got nowhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'm looking at my front three. I'm Pepe. I'm in Ketia. Uh, and I'm Saka, because that's where I'm planning. Yeah, so mine's Pepe, Lacazette, Nelson. Yeah. You know, again, we've we've gone with the same style of team, just a few tweaks in personnel. That's how we can get a result at Chelsea. No Willian in that side. Nowhere near that side. In fact, nowhere near. You know, not even in the squad. I, I, look, I, I, predictions for the game, I think, we, I think we'll lose 3-1. I think they'll score goals against us. I don't think we'll score. So what do you think the score will be? 3-0. Yeah, I, I think Giroud will hurt us because it's the month where our ex-Arsenal players are. So he is our final ghost of Christmas past, future yeah. and uh, present. Because we've had a... a we've had a woke... Cronky is Scrooge and has it woken him up in the night. Oh, fuck that imbecile. So, um, look, you know, I, I hope a fucking moose pisses in his Christmas eggnog. Do you like eggnog? Have you mm. ever had it? No, I just don't like the look of it. It just looks too thick. So I've had eggnog. I don't like it. I do like a snowball, though. <laughs> yeah, you know, Advocat, lemonade, little 
hint of lime, topped up with a little maraschino cherry. It is a Christmas beverage of gloriousness. <laughs> you are. And dumb. you can actually buy it in a pre-made can now. Christ. Which is brilliant. It's a, it, it nets to be more expensive. But I like a Cadbury snowball. Well, oh, you mean the things with the coconut on them? No, 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 no. That's no. a tonic snowball. That is a fine, a fine confectionery whoa, 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 item. Whoa, 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 whoa. A Cadbury snowball comes in a packet. It's a small ball made of solid milk chocolate with a dusty um, white covering, which I believe is a form of kind of refined sugar. A fantastic piece. Yeah, it has a slightly crispy shell to it. It's um, it's like a an oval, It's like a ball-shaped, sphere-shaped minstrel covered in oh. a white gloss, which is like a uh, yeah I sugar love coating. Minstrels. Minstrels are a fine. The mint. Have you not seen that? This is interesting. It's not a sweet. The minstrel that you get in the actual minstrels bag has the hard shell on it. Yes. Whereas the minstrel that you get in the Revels bag is a soft shell. Nonsense. I do like Revels as well. I don't like I don't, the coffee one. I don't, oh, no. I like a coffee one. Needless to say, the orange one is the one I dislike. <laughs> Chocolate! Oh, they're scourging <laughs> me now. They're coming at me left, right and centre. <laughs> Look, we won't get on to it. We want to wish everyone a really, really, really Merry Christmas. Thank you, everyone that's listened to us, by the way. 11 episodes in. We've had nearly 350,000 listeners at this point. And when Bob and I started it as a hobby for something to do to keep us mentally on top of where we wanted to be throughout lockdown, the support from, well, the Arsenal fraternity across the world, because we've got quite a lot of listeners in other countries, which is odd, has been absolutely overwhelming. So let me just say from me being Jim, a heartfelt, thank you very much and a very Merry Christmas I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas I want you to have it as good as you possibly can I really want everyone to stay safe stay safe keep yourself out of harm's way it's bad out there I know enjoy yourself as much as you can still follow the Arsenal you know Merry Christmas to one and all Joy Noel Feliz Navidad I've been Jim and I've been Bob all the best <laughs>